Welcome to the third series of our show called Abaktorkli. Abaktorkli is a Nguni name for storytellers, and our show, Abaktorkli the Storytellers, aims to share and unlock local, intercontinental, and intergenerational stories of women, illuminating women that are shaping and creating legacies, profiling African women as thought leaders and change makers. My name is Lebu Biko. I am joined by my partner, Rehema Isa, and together we're the founders of Womenomics Africa. Womenomics is a non-profit organization that exists to accelerate women's participation in what we believe are key economies, not just locally, but across the continent. In this third series, titled Mastering Change, we are so excited to be partnering with BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. As you can tell from the name, Mastering Change is inviting our guests to share their experiences and their perspective of how they've navigated both personal and business change. In the hot seat today, we have, drum roll, Mamedubi Matipa. And I'm going to say that again. Mamedubi Matipa, the CEO of Atta Capital. Mamedubi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mamedubi, is that it's one, it's one word? It's a pedi name. What does it mean? It means uh, Midupi, like the power station, which has made me relevant. <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, now people can remember my name at least. But I guess Midupi is a type of rain. Mm. And so Mamedupi essentially is the one that comes with rain or the one... Or the mother of rain, depending on whether you want to interpret it in the literal sense. But yeah, I, I, I'm told it was raining when I was born. Um, and I'm named after my paternal grandmother. So yeah. That's wow, that's actually quite interesting. I think I, I love names. I love where names origin um, and the meaning of names. And so your name and taking its meaning is one way of introducing you. Um, it's a forced way of introducing you. <laughs> yeah. And what we would like to do and what we like to do on Abakotli is to give the storytellers, and you are our storyteller for the day, mm-hmm. the opportunity to introduce themselves in the way that they would like to be known, yeah. highlighting, emphasizing what perhaps other people wouldn't put forward as part of the introduction, but which allows you to bring you into the space authentically. Mm-hmm. If you had the opportunity, which we're giving you now, so rather as you take this opportunity that we're giving you now, how would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Okay, so I guess uh, one naturally always looks at the spaces that they have to introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I guess for me, or fortunately, it's always in the work context. Mm-hmm. Um, so I typically introduce myself as an investment professional um, operating in the private equity space. Um, but just like your intro, um, I also like to believe I'm an agent of change. Mm. Because mm. if I look at my background, I am not a typical private equity pers- pers- uh, I guess professional. Yeah, really? I have an IT degree. And I guess in my first life, I was an IT professional and I've probably worked my way, I guess, to get to the point where I am now in this industry that doesn't necessarily accept people that are like me from a background perspective and from a, I guess, a, 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 a um, uh, what is it, Demogra- demographic perspective. So I'm 
symbolizing change, I guess, from, oh. from a private equity perspective, because it's not natural to have somebody with my, my background in this space. Typically, it's... Typically, it's chartered accountants. I think the typical private equity company, if you look at it, especially mm-hmm. their front office staff, as we talk about it, are accountants and they hire the same. Um, and me coming with my background probably has struggled to get into this industry because of that, um, because it, it's easy to just want to hire the same. Mm. There's an assumption that this game is just about the numbers and it's not. Mm. Um, for me, private equity is actually a natural place for me for my skill set because it's so diverse. Oh, really? You know, we invest in companies, we manage companies, we speak to man, you know, management teams, and it's not just about, about the numbers. numbers. Yeah. You know, when we sit on boards, you bring your whole self um, and and your experience because we're not just talking about the numbers. We're talking about marketing. We're talking about IT. We're talking about you know all of that you bring mm. to the table, and and it makes sense that the teams should actually be diverse in nature. I mean, that for me is fascinating because I started off my career in the numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she did. <laughs> and now um, she doesn't like the numbers. I yeah. hate the numbers. No. I hate. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm adept with the numbers. Yeah. Um, but I was always drawn to the story yes. behind the numbers. Yeah. And I think that, I think the benefit of having started my financial services kind of career in the auditing space is because. I found that auditing allowed you to build a story yeah. around a business, yeah. which was more than just about the transaction, mm, but the, mm. the rationale behind the transaction. And obviously, because it was so um, structured, perhaps it just wasn't the place for me. But yeah. I love this notion about professions requiring different types of competencies mm. and skills. I saw that in the banking sector. Yeah. Um, you know, um, engineers have found their home. Yeah, in, 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 and, and I think engineers must go back to ESCOM and make sure. <laughs> for another yeah. day. I think mm. engineers um, have found themselves in many other sectors and I think that it lends that kind of diversity and outlook that we don't typically have. And yeah. I think for for countries that are developing, I think the ability to infuse different types of knowledge bases and yeah. perspectives provides a different lens for which we can look at the problem solving that we have. Yeah. Um, you've emphasized in your introduction your differentness. Um when you walk into a room, and you've also alluded to the fact that the majority of spaces you're walking into, yeah. I hope you have a private life, yes. not just work. <laughs> yes. um, you, you've alluded to part of what is, is shared about you. Um, share with us, what is the most typically narrated um, story about you that one would find in this space? What do people talk about when they are referring to you and your space mm-hmm. in this profession um, and world? Yeah, I mean, I think given that the industry itself is probably going through some uh, process of change, you know, if you look at the latest, I guess, industry survey, a lot of the priority areas, in fact, one of the priority areas is diverse skills Mm -hmm. or having a diverse uh, Mm. team. And so I guess being black and female in the space and being a CEO of a private equity firm, you are actually different mm-hmm. you know and so i think it's difficult for people not to call you into spaces to talk about that the difference the difference yeah. and and how you got there or how do we allow for more of you guys in this industry based on your experiences you're a showcase yes. to a certain extent maybe it's a success for me i, I want to view myself as probably inspiration for others yeah you know? yeah, yeah. 
more than a show. That it can work, right? That it can work. Yep. And, it, and, and it's not just about how I look, but mm-hmm. the fact that I'm actually coming in to add value. And yes, I can do the number crunching. And yes, I can sit on boards. And yes, I know what IRR and times money yeah. back is. And it's not about Save that. me, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I know my you stuff, know. right? And I, yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> it's just a, for us, even from a team perspective, the fact that we've maintained our team as largely black, it was about having a place that showcases, you know, um, a, a center of excellence that says we we can do it, you know, and it doesn't. And the fact that we're black happens to be a bonus for you, um, but 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 we're capable. You know. But I find in these spaces a lot that. Um, this idea about the need for diversity, right? Mm-hmm. You see it on, I mean, I'll talk about it even in my previous employer, right? Uh, diversity is a value, you know, because yeah. there's an appreciation by having different people with different experiences, different backgrounds, different demographics, et cetera, et cetera. It's supposed to lead to innovation yeah. because Correct. you're able to look at things differently. You're able mm-hmm. to add a different lens. And so you can see different opportunities and stuff. But I find that they talk it. Mm-hmm. And then when the diverse person is in front of them, says, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the willingness to open the door for that doesn't quite practically exist. Mm-hmm. So how have you found it in this space, right? Because you mm-hmm. are the, you're the black female, mm-hmm. you're in private equity, you have an IT background. You, you've said now that you, you're different. You haven't come in through this. The, and it must have been a very difficult journey, yeah. right? Because yeah. it, it wasn't straight they they couldn't tick the box no from day one from day one because no. the boxes were not the same right yeah. they, diff- they had to create different boxes so how have you found as you've navigated the space in terms of you know spaces that say we want it but actually for me it's almost the incongruence between we want it but when it's in front of us no actually not quite yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's a difficult question i think uh at the end of the day, I, I believe you must also be the doer. You must mm. prove that you are <laughs> meant to be there. Yeah. How exhausting. Yes. And it is. How it is. But I think that, that that's the reality of it all. I think uh-huh. we always talk about the fact that we must work that much harder. But that, that is because at some point when you've built that trust, then, you know, they, the they things let, open. let things open. Uh-huh. And, and <clears throat> somewhere you need to push your way in. Somewhere you need to find people to push you in. But it, it, it isn't easy to try and do it on your own. You know, um, yeah, it, it's not an easy one. So and I are, think it's it's industry wide. I don't even think it's. I can say it's just financial services. No, no, no. Or, it's across. You know. I think for me, yeah. it's, it's in in the business world, like completely yeah. right. They talk about diverse boards. We want diverse boards, but then you look at the composition of boards. Yeah. Right. They're male. They're white, predominantly. Yeah. Right. It, it it still is, but they say we want diverse schools. Yeah. You know. So. Because yeah. words are beautiful. To yeah, say. yeah. Yeah. And they well, look nice on annual reports. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also. I, it's also a habit. I mean, when you um, think about boards and how people get onto boards, you yeah. know, there's also it also doesn't happen through you know an advert in the paper. Mm. I think it's the, the boards that people want to get on. You don't see an advert in the paper, no. to be honest. And when you then look at the profile of those boards, it's about their circle of people. Mm-hmm. You know, people they know. If they happen to know somebody who happens to be diverse, they bring them in and they become <laughs> the representative for every other Ish. board. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. So being that these kind of spaces are like tight circles, right? Mm. Um, and the investment circle is 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 not that broad um, in terms of women's participation. Yeah. And the fact that you're coming in from a different sector, I guess my question is, what was your journey like? Because you, 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 mm. you've alluded to it, yeah. that it was IT and then you've moved mm. into um, investment. 
what was the actual journey? What did you actually have to do to shift from one career into the, to next. the, into the yeah. other? So I think it probably goes back to this change. I think there is some requirement to be in uncomfortable places and always looking for that change, you know, mm-hmm. to move and change careers. Um, is not an easy thing and mm. prove that you can do the other. But How old were you when you mm. did that? When I first made the, the the biggest move, I must have been 28 because okay. that that the other factor that I was going to raise is taking some risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because at 28, I essentially decided to stop working. So after a couple of years of work, I decided I'm done went back to school because I needed to fast track this thing of being in financial services. I was tired of being, I guess, the IT person. Mm -hmm. And the the only way... Did you switch on the laptop? Did you switch the computer on? Exactly. And and also being IT in a bank, to be honest, I think you're bottom of the barrel. You're not like IT is like a telecoms company where they respect you. So, yeah. Did you switch on the laptop? You've got absolute sentiments about that. I come from the bank, I know. It's not Exactly. Yes. And still today, when you say you've got an IT degree, they think you are desktop yes. support, which yes. is not what I was. But yeah. mm-hmm. I got impatient with this move because it was calculated initially. It was, okay, you are IT. That's all you've got to offer right now. So get into the bank and be IT. And that's what I was. Mm. Right. But at some point, I was like, okay, this journey is not happening fast enough for me. Mm. So that's where I guess the comfort around the change and the mm. comfort around the risk comes into play. Mm. I mean, where I then just said, I'm done. And I went back to school and I had to rent out my apartment, downgrade the car. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. (laughs) I'm saying. (laughs) People don't spend a lot of time thinking about financial services. They simply think about the money they need to do things and the things they need to do with money. That's why we don't think of ourselves as a financial services provider. Rather, we're a money company. In fact, we're the needs-matched money company. Everything we do is, well, needs-matched, including providing the world's first-ever needs-matched life insurance. Life insurance that changes as your life changes. And because we know our lives change, Because we wanted to know and share everything there is to know about change, we call this school of thinking Change Science. It's why we created the Change Exchange, a free resource filled with tips, tools, and other people's stories of navigating change in their lives. And it's why we created this podcast series. You can find many more on changeexchange.co.za or on your preferred podcast platform. Just search for Change Exchange. 28, um, you're working, you are self-sustaining. You've started to have some responsibilities, right? Um, The idea that change requires to give up, some of which you take for granted. Yeah. Um, what did that require of you? What did it, did, you know, you, yeah. you knew you wanted something different. Yes. But it, it couldn't have been, well, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about myself at yeah. 27. Um, 
bad example i quit my job <laughs> you see we acted like millennials yes, yes. <laughs> i don't think i've got much to judge my daughter by but yeah. I, if i then take myself as an example there's so much doubt that you're making the right choice i yeah. left banking mm-hmm. um and i went into consulting yeah and i went into consulting with engineers yeah where i was the only non-engineer yeah. yes and i was uh, um i was basically looking after a pool of people yeah. all with phds and doctorates and um a non-engineer so that transition was perhaps a, an ex- exciting mm. but extremely scary yeah. what was that journey for you transitioning back to school you know because uh, that school puts you in a in a position of of learning yes. starting um, and starting, and starting yeah. with yeah. young people salaries Pogoing. and things that define and, and who you were yeah but, so, but to uh, be honest it's because i was so i guess it was a calculated risk for me it wasn't just the up and leave you know i think given my personality i wouldn't just up and leave i had a plan mm-hmm. and this was part of executing See, my plan see i wanted to get that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm listening to you like yeah you know i left my job no no no, no, no. i had a, i had to think about it i had a proper plan because even when i came back so fortunately my employer at the time paid for my studies Okay. So from that perspective I was still there in pay for you to leave work yes. and then to go and study for full time to go and study full time. That's still available to yeah. people today. Yeah. And mm. when I came back, yeah, and their initial proposal was that I go back to my old job, which I said, "No. That's not what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm the whole point of me doing what I did was what that I didn't want to go back yeah. into my old job. Yeah. Number okay. one. Yeah. How was that conversation? Um, number two, I think even going back to how I structured my electives when mm-hmm. I studied, it was very much deliberate. It had to be finance related, investment related. That, that's what, what did it you is. Study? What did you study? I did an MBA. Okay. okay. But when I did all my electives, they were all focused on, on finance. On finance. Yeah. yeah, I chose the easiest things. <laughs> I thought they were the easiest. I chose things again. Like I had no, 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 no. because they were, yeah. I was told I wasn't an, an investment professional, and so I then needed to structure my studies, I guess, to give me that knowledge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then come back and say, guys, I have this. Okay. You know, where do I right, go? Can I go? You know, yeah. and I sat at home. I remember I sat at home for a couple. I don't know. It must have been a month or so while they were figuring out what to do with me, and then essentially having conversations then i started off and came back into credit which is where i guess all investment bankers are advised to start because mm. you need to understand the credit before you can go into um, i guess the front office but it was all calculated i, I don't just take random risks it was scary i've kind of heard that about you and i don't, and, and, and I, i i mean I, and i didn't have a cat or a dog yes i had a house i had a bond at the time i remember right. i had a car i had whatever so all those things i need to figure figure out a solution for but it wasn't just the up and go you know and what was the support i mean did you need any other support was it just you who made the decision and was mm. like somar nobody else or was the was the feedback because life gives us feedback right yeah. um was the family feedback was the friend feedback mm. what yeah, was the what yeah. was the mm. i'm going to call it feedback and well, not noise well a lot noise. of people thought it was very brave um i guess it's not something that you just easily do you, you mean know? those statements what you're so brave yes. exactly <laughs> And you also that I mean courage. I was foregoing a salary um for and I I mean I had to rely on my savings essentially mm-hmm. um because all the company was paying for was the studies the studies yeah. and and a, a portion of the accommodation because I moved down to Cape Town mm. 
anything after that, I was on my own. So I had to rely largely on savings um, to make it happen. And at 28, to be honest, they're not that much. Yeah. You know? So that's where you then have to go in and, as I say, I'd downgrade. Fortunately, I got a tenant into my place and, you know, yeah, but definitely support from friends, family, you know, I think that that helped because even when the, the, the bank sent me a zero, zero, zero pay slip, you know, that day. <laughs> No tweets. Yeah, no tweets. At least I had, you know, the backing of uh, of people that if anything goes wrong, you know, yeah. they'd come, they'd step in. I guess. Mm. Yeah. What, what What did that teach you? I mean, I'm going to ask that. And, yeah. and and what part of whatever you learned during that right that transition in your life is applicable in your life today, if anything? Mm. You know, because I mean, there must have been moments of. We, we go through stuff. Yeah. yeah, but we go through stuff. And sometimes maybe it, when we're in the moment, we don't see whatever blessing it is or whatever gift you're seeing. Or maybe it's only when you're after the moment that you see, actually, this is actually mm-hmm. I kind of realized mm-hmm. I'm this kind of person mm-hmm. or this is what I've taken from that. What, you know? Yeah, I think for mm-hmm. me, obviously, as I said, there, there was an element of analysis, paralysis, proper <laughs> risk taking. But I think if, if I set my heart on something, I'll do it, you know, mm-hmm. so. I guess even as I navigate my current spaces, etc., if it's not working and I get to a point it's not working, I will make a change because I'm not scared of that change. You know, as long as it, it makes sense, you know. So I think at the end of the day... <laughs> it seems like an oxymoron. It does. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying that somewhere you, you do become brave. You know, sometimes you, you think you're to. stuck, yeah. you know, and, and somewhere you must make brave decisions because it doesn't all always align the way, you know, you, you think it will. You know, and if it requires to make brave or brash decisions, you must do it. Some, you know, what what do you attribute your courage? I'm going to translate yeah, your yeah. braveness yeah. to courage. Yeah. What do you attribute your courage to? to? There must be. I think there's an element of backing myself. I mm. think one knows that you'll have something to fall back on if things don't work out. Whether it's I mean, you can go back to support of, I guess, family and friends, but also it's not like I'll be unemployed, <laughs> you know, if I decide to take some mm. random risk. I can go back and do things. I had my old job to go back to, okay. you know, so th- there was always yeah. some backup, some safety net, and that mm. allows you to move forward. Yeah. So you mm. take risks with a safety of net. Of course. No, it's, calcu- that's it's, <laughs> it's a calculated. calculated. <laughs> I love the word for this. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just Size. Yeah, yeah pros so. and cons scenarios, yeah. everything. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's quite a leap to be taking, right? Yeah. Um, and and how are you finding the investment arena now that you're in there mm-hmm. um, and you're a CEO of a well-known um, mm-hmm. um, institution? What's it like? So day to day, I guess if I look at it from a personal perspective, it's it's exactly where I want to be. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's probably the one place where my knowledge i guess from a uh, even from a career perspective mm. has all come together you know mm. i mean given the fact that i've changed careers and learned many things along the way so it wasn't a straightforward move also yeah. i kind of moved around even to get to where i am today it's the one place that i can naturally you're glossing sit over the <laughs> you're glossing over there have been many there have been many there have been many okay so it's an example obviously coming back into banking uh i i went into credit mm-hmm. and then 
very soon after that, I think I was only in credit for probably about a year or so. Mm, right. um, there was an opportunity to be the executive assistant to the group CEO at First Rand, mm-hmm. which I then applied for and got the job. So then I moved into head office, essentially mm-hmm. for a two-year period. After that uh, uh, journey, I guess, as EA, I had the opportunity to go back into business. But again, because of my original I guess uh, master plan. The master plan. plan. <laughs> it's not just a plan. Yes. No. It's a master my, plan. My, my original master plan. I wanted to be a front office person. I've always wanted to be in the front, mm-hmm. making decisions, making the deals. Making the deals. Yeah. I wanted to be a deal maker. And I remember yeah. my by my boss at the time saying, "No, why don't you move into a management position in one of the group?" companies and I said no I want to be front office this mm. is why I'm here this was just a detour the plan <laughs> the is, plan is, is here <laughs> and that's where I went so I went again interviewing and eventually landed in in leverage finance mm-hmm. um, at, 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 at one of the investment banks um, again even through that I then get, got exposure to private equity mm. Um, mm. and soon realized that actually this is where I want to land and there were many, many, many detractors, people saying, you're too young to be in private equity. What are you going to tell CEOs oh. of companies? Uh, you're too, we don't hire black women. I had so many, you know, deterrents around this PE thing. Um, but again, I had a plan. So when I took my next risk again, <laughs> courage. Calculated. Calculated. With lots of courage. And a safety net spreadsheet. <laughs> Oh, again. you're a spreadsheet baby. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So up. again, I decided to leave the bank to go join, uh, at the time, a, an impact investing firm. Mm-hmm. Because then the attraction was that I could make money, I guess, because we were doing investments, but also could, I guess, be an agent of change, yeah. as I talk about, because we were doing impact investing. So again, mm-hmm. made the leap. Even that, I think that leap was probably more irresponsible than my first one. But because there I had no certainty of salary or anything, I was essentially starting up um, a new business or a, a new uh, a region because they had uh, exposure yeah. to other regions. They were based in the Netherlands, um, had businesses in West Africa, and they were now opening up their South African business. And I was then essentially going to help them to do that. Okay. Um, that plan didn't work because as I know now as a private equity pro- uh, professional that fundraising is probably the toughest thing you'll ever mm-hmm. do ever. from a private equity perspective. Ah, anyway. Uh, and <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> and so probably knowing what I know now from a calculated risk perspective, I probably would not have moved without the money being in the bank, yeah. which is what we've learned just being in this industry. So right. yeah, so it's yeah, it hasn't been an easy journey, but I think over time because I was just set on where I wanted to be, mm-hmm. um, I, I made the moves and some some of them worked and some didn't. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But I was able to recover from that and move on. Um, and eventually uh, learned of, uh, I guess, the Atta story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was probably 18 months into the Atta journey as an organization um, that I essentially joined as what would be employee number one um, from, I guess, outside of the founders. We are a generation of South Africans who have faced challenges and been given opportunities that our parents were not. We We have seized the future with both hands and we will be the change we want to see in in our our nation. Our guests are orchestra conductors, mountaineers, investors and activists, pilots, winemakers and more. 
To listen, simply search for Change in One Generation wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by The Change Exchange. Helping you to better navigate life's changes. So you're going to have to tell us a little bit about the Atta story because yes, you've yes, just landed yes, that in the yes, room and yes. we need to have some context yes. of it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess from an Atta perspective, so we're a, a private equity fund management company. So set up essentially to raise um, third party funding from historically as our genesis, the family offices. Um, and then as we've gone um over the years, I guess now, given that we're, we're sitting in our third fund, um, we've diversified that from family office money to essentially other institutions and pension funds. I think which is a, which is mm. a, a big thing, I guess, in our space to be able to diversify your investor space. I think the other story, as most people will talk to it, is that we do, did have the backing of a very entrepreneurial family office, who essentially believed in the story um, and allowed us to build track record which is important in our space Mm. when you're fundraising um, and build a team and then also build the business um, Mm. from I guess systems and processes etc and we've then been able to take that I guess growth and track record to to the market and then Mm. essentially be able to raise attract more money attract more Mm. money based Mm. on I guess uh, um, I guess the 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 deals that would have done we would have done in our initial funds Mm. so I guess when people talk about us, they, they talk about this family office backing. But mm. the reality is that it allowed us to be who we are today. Indeed. You know, we are 10 years into our story uh, this year. Actually, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary in February this year. And it's because of this track record that everybody wants from you but are not able to give to you. Yeah. you know, so, so yours was kind of funded, right? Yeah. And many people don't get that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you go out into the market, I remember when we went out to raise our, our, I guess essentially our second fund, we essentially told that they don't fund into first ma- first time fund managers, which is what we were essentially, mm-hmm. um, and that we needed to build a track record. But again, no one was willing to give us the track record. <laughs> Um, and so the wonderful loop, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like being a, 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 a graduate, right? Yeah, exactly. I've experience, but I can't give it to you. Exactly. Uh-huh. Somebody else must take the risk <laughs> yeah. on you first. Yeah. And then only once you've proved yourself to them, um, and then obviously to the market, then suddenly, as I say, in our third fund, we've now suddenly been able to, you know, raise money from institutions and pension funds who ne- who wouldn't not have who would not have necessarily come in mm. in our in our initial funds what are your funds mm. sold for mm. so from our perspective i think we have evolved um in the story so if you look at our initial funds we were solving for the liquidity issue of empowerment transactions okay okay so if you so, remember the typical empowerment transaction that is sitting in the market i guess the big ones um, that everybody that, that are publicized you have uh, obviously the underlying company being the main i guess entity that you invest in yep. they usually have some public deal where all of us go to the post office or to whatever to go buy shares right mm-hmm. And then they have strategic BE partners, essentially, who are facilitated into um, the, the 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 deal where yeah, they are, yeah, where yeah. they are funded. So there's usually some significant amount of what vendor financing into the structure, 
And you're essentially, from a, a value perspective, you're relying on the growth in the underlying asset mm. and then also the de-gearing of the debt that has put it, been put into that structure, which means that there has to be dividends that are declared mm, mm. so that you can then essentially uh, pay down the debt and come into some value. Obviously, fast forward to a couple of years later when you've seen, you've seen the performance of some of these transactions. Some have worked and some haven't. Mm-hmm. But what we were solving for, for the, at the time was that there were a lot of empowerment partners, entrepreneurs, based on the deals, listed and unlisted. There are a lot of deals that are not in, in the, the public, public domain, domain. Who, have, who had amassed a, a certain amount of wealth over this period. Mm. And quite frankly, have had put in nothing in most deals because you were probably fully facilitated into the transaction for various reasons Um, so you were what we coined as a term uh, asset rich but cash flow poor Mm. Mm. because now you were then stuck in this lock-in period because most of these deals had lock-in period Mm -hmm. you had some value in your stake but you couldn't sell out unless you were selling as most deals were structured to another another black black party and so Given that there is very limited, unencumbered black capital out there, mm. we essentially saw the opportunity to be the market maker in that space. Okay. So it's essentially then providing people with exits. But mm. the upside for us was that because you were in a lock-in period, you could pick up those stakes at significant discounts mm. to their value. And because your capital was essentially patient capital because we were running seven to ten year Mm. uh, funds you could then ride out the rest of the life of that deal and then unlock your value in the end when the deal unwinds so that was essentially the strategy or the genesis of an ATA to be honest and the Mm. strategy that we had in our initial two funds fast forward a couple of years later um, I mean we we manage about 1.6 billion now in in AUM fund three AUM assets under management thank you sorry Sorry. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Sorry. We picked up all the yes, things. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So I guess fast forward to our third fund, we knew that that strategy would probably last us a fund or two. Mm. Because a lot of the BE transactions traditionally would have been struck probably in that 2010, ten years. somewhere yeah. there. Yeah. You know, so there weren't that many transactions that you could then do. And not all of them had worked, quite frankly. So we've had we've morphed, I guess, into what is a traditional private equity manager. So we've okay. raised the funding, but we have experience in managing companies because some of the companies that we took stakes in as replacement uh, empowerment partners, we've obviously learned how things work from a mm-hmm. PE perspective, um, and we've decided that we're going to then use our capital for another form of change, essentially. Okay. So again, so here essentially. Um, one, I think a lot of the drivers of empowerment or let me say private equity transactions today are outside of it being a real investment opportunity. The big driver is also um, the BEE scorecard. Mm. Um, and a lot of opportunities have come, I guess, from our market perspective where people are essentially being forced to a certain extent, maybe forced is not the right way, to transform. Um, from an equity, yes, yes. Encouraged, encouraged to transform, you know. <laughs> Strongly. So I guess a typical, yeah, a typical transaction is people say, I've got a, you know, a contract with, or I've been a big supplier into X corporate. 
um, or, pu- or public sector even whatever yeah. or public se- it's, yeah. it's actually not even public sector anymore because my sc- even in private sector my scorecard impacts your scorecard yes. so yes. we're all yes. encouraged yeah. essentially we're all yeah. in it together exactly. exactly so from there there are guys who then saying okay I in order for me to keep this contract and because I'm so significant in this corporate's life I have been told that I need to sort out my my mm. empowerment which is step number one for us, you know. So yes, we're going to look at it and we're going to invest and we're going to bring in our empowerment credentials as we are structured as a, as a black fund manager. Um, but from there for us, the idea is to use the capital to then transform even further. Yeah. So it does not end at equity. So you, if you think you're bringing us on as a partner and you're only just going to sort out your equity solution, Think we can. Yeah. So you're not a silent shareholder. Yeah. No, we, we're coming in, we're taking significant minority uh, stakes, we're sitting on boards, we're helping with strategy and growth. We're looking at the rest of the scorecard and we're ah. saying, okay, what else? You okay. know, great, we've ticked the box, ownership box. What about management control? What about preferential procurement, supplier development? So we're then essentially going in there and, and making sure that we use our capital, I guess, to change in that way. How, resource how, in the change. But how easy has that been? I mean, there must be quite a bit of resistance because you're, I brought you in to do this so that yeah. I can keep this contract. Now you're... Yes, Ex- you're overextending now. Yeah, but you know, but, but, but I think that you know? the arm. <laughs> yeah, but this is not a facilitated empowerment deal. You know, we're bring we paid full money? value. Okay, we are sitting with a you're significant a shareholding in your business, and therefore we are a voice. Yes. and and I mean, I think for us, given that we've also got an entrepreneurial, I guess, uh, history. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of our, our founders, etc. It's not to come in there and mess things up. You know, I think the biggest balancing act for us has been around keeping that, you know, entrepreneurial thinking, but also bringing in the governance Mm. and all of those things and the balance between the two so that it's not like a shock on day one. Mm. Because Mm. we do come in and make sure that from a governance perspective, we're running proper meetings. Decisions are not just made around the dining room table anymore. You know, we must have proper resolutions. Mm. We must have you know, proper work plans from a board perspective, but it's a journey, you and know, and, and I think... want your money yes. after that? Yes, yes, I think so. I think uh, I think for us, we've pr- we pride ourselves on the fact that we are value-adding mm. partners. Mm. Okay. You know, we're, mm. we're, we're coming in there to help you grow. And yeah. to be honest, we all grow together. We all add yeah. value together at the end mm. of the day. So I think it's it, it, it's a... It's a it's a it's a benefit to have mm. us on board. It, mm. and, and, and as I say, to, for us, we just try and balance... You know, not killing the management yeah. team, As but also, also uh, fulfilling our objectives. In some places, we've actually contracted for some of that change. You know, mm. for instance, when we go into investments, we we do an ESG um, assessment or due diligence, mm. like you do due diligence in terms of finance and tax and all of that. We also mm-hmm. do an ESG one. Mm-hmm. And from there, the outcomes of that. You're going to have to spell out the Environmental, outcomes. social, and government. And so even from that perspective, we then say, okay, these are the findings. They're not a condition of employment or, or of investment 
today, but over time you must show that you are improving from an ESG in those areas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, COVID has probably taught us something interesting around, I think in largely the G is covered. I think everybody's aspired to, you know, King 4 and Mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. E to a certain extent uh, for some companies matters more than others, Mm -hmm. although I think more and more now. The S bit, I think, is something that we've probably neglected over time. Mm -hmm. And coming out of COVID, I think the focus area of many of our discussions even at board and investee company level around you know the well-being of our staff mm. the environment People. that we operate in the stakeholders around us mm. and it's it's you know so again it's wider than just mm. our equity check for our you know management i mean for for, for the equity component of the scorecard mm. we're looking mm. across and making sure we can make a difference there okay. i'm finding the s being more of your ecosystem right yeah, yeah. yeah. and Correct. i think what's what's exciting about what i'm interpreting the work that you're doing is that Unless you resource change, it'll remain a statement, a a buzzword and an exciting thing to talk about as something that's possible in the future. But unless you're putting money into evidencing that change and and challenging that change and and giving it effect, um, you you are not actually going to get anywhere. So I love the the notion of how you talk about the story, the story that you contracted into, but the story that as CEO, you're at the helm of of creating the change and driving the change. And that's quite exciting. It is. And and I'm keen to understand also from you um, talking this thing about change and talking or this topic of change and talking about courage. I I see change and I see courage as very, very strong, prominent themes that are coming out. What change are you seeing in your industry, right? What's mm. happening in your industry now? But I think more importantly also, what change requires courage to effect? Yeah. Because I, I, I you know, for you know, when we're talking in spaces where there's a lot of underrepresentation, there's that there's a need for diversity, mm-hmm. but we're not quite there. Um, what change needs to happen to unlock opportunities even further? Uh, yeah. uh, for growth in, in your space? Yeah. yeah, so I think in our industry, just looking at um the landscape even just over the last five years i think there has been a lot around changing the face of the industry i.e bringing in new capital to stimulate i guess new fund managers Mm. um coupled with that there is a lot of capital that is trying to address some of the social and economical uh, economic ills of the country Mm. so a lot of what is called impact capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're seeing a lot of what is changing in the industry, it's one, the stimulation of new fund managers and, mm-hmm. and to be frank, new black fund managers mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to transform the industry. Um, but also to then say, guys, as, as private equity, which is, is, is something that I guess goes back to our, our, our way of investing, we are probably best place, placed to make changes that stimulate the economy Mm. and why i say that is that from our perspective then by its nature we are hands-on we we Mm. as in the private equity managers okay Okay. exactly so we Mm. are hands-on in the way that we invest we as i've mentioned we go in we sit on the boards you know we 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 drive strategy etc (laughs) exactly So I think exactly exactly which is different from I guess maybe our counterparts on the listed end because I think your your level of exposure and and they may argue that they probably are a bit more active than they ever been they've ever been your level of exposure is that you probably hold a very minority stake in a big listed entity yeah. and 
your engagement with management teams and uh, is probably at best at at the next age yeah. mm-hmm. you know mm. whereas we are there in the front line boots on the ground day to day essentially engaging with management teams and so where you then see the capital going it's kind of saying well we have issues from an impact perspective and if you talk about impact sectors you're talking everything that we have issues within the country so healthcare mm. energy education, education mm. uh, you know financial services to a certain extent housing mm. capital water. is essentially water Fresh. you know water, water. yes mm. capital is <laughs> essentially <laughs> said, saying to us we're going to give you ca- uh, uh, i guess uh, an allocation but it needs to go towards solving this you know mm-hmm. it it goes to ex- the extent of when since some pension funds saying we have our pension fund members essentially as owners of this capital mm-hmm. and so when they retire they need to retire into spaces that make sense you know from 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 a, i guess an economy perspective mm-hmm. and we're essentially relying on you guys to help us with that i think from a government perspective i where we add value from my perspective is that we bring in the capacity number one so i don't think we have a shortage of capital from a government mm. perspective it's about the capacity to execute and then it's about most importantly the monitoring which yeah. no one does you know mm. we hand out the checks and then come back we and wish you hand yeah, out the exactly checks. Yeah. and then you wonder <laughs> when things don't get executed so at least we've got that because that mm. is by nature what we do on a day to day basis we 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 write the checks and then we monitor and we go back and we engage with management teams and we change course if we need to change course so it's active management to a certain extent so i think we've always said as pe practice private equity practitioners that we're probably best placed to drive this change mm. to to turn we are definitely in turnaround mode um from a south african economy perspective mm. and so if you're wanting to see active change it it it's probably best that you redirect some of your capital to our space you know it hasn't been an easy sell <laughs> Do we have enough of you to do that? I think we do. I think we, I, th- I think, you know, well, I mean, I guess people in the space, I mean, you know, redirecting the funding. Yeah, but also enough of, of the people that can actually say we can partner with you to do this. Do we have enough capacity? Well, we I have? guess they've tried to stimulate you the know? market. I think what the, what they say to us is that there's too many of us, which I don't necessarily believe. I think the taps need to open mm. in order for us to get significant allocations to allow us to do what we do best. You mm. know, um, right now, as they say, there are too many of us and we must consolidate. It's because the taps haven't opened. So, mm. for instance, if you look at Regulation 28, of the pension funds act it essentially said historically that 15% um could be allocated into alternative assets right now there's a change that has been put in place that talks about 15% into private equity alone mm. and then also an allocation into infrastructure but the reality is that we are not even at 2% at the mm. moment you know mm. from a pension fund allocation perspective and so for us we're trying to get those taps to open and for them to have some kind of um conviction around the asset class and and what we bring to the table and it's it's been a big education so what needs story. to happen for the taps to open they just need to allocate <laughs> they just need Why to allocate so it's probably a la- from our assessment there's a lack of education around the asset class number one. Mm-hmm. 
in terms of understanding how we work. It's easy to allocate in listed to listed equities and bonds. Mm. There's obviously the perception around risk, risk because because our mm. investments are long term number one and they are unlisted. And so there's also this perception around liquidity yeah. and the ability to exit when I want to exit. It's easy to sell my listed shares mm. tomorrow if I'm in trouble, but you guys are in these un- illiquid structures mm. and it's going to take a while. But the reality, I think, from an education perspective for, for us is that unless there's like a huge event where you now have, rich, you know, huge retrenchments and, you know, those type of things when you have to shut down a company, as a pension fund, private equity is probably the last place you will look for liquidity, mm-hmm. right? You're probably going to go and, you know, sell your listed yeah, yeah. and your most liquid assets first you know mm-hmm. so the, the story around liquidity for us is, is is not necessarily valid because it's not the first place you're going to look mm-hmm. it's probably the last place to look when things in an all fall down mm-hmm. scenario also i think from our perspective when you invest today um as much as we run seven to ten year funds it's not just in year 10 that you will see money mm-hmm. you know along the way dividends mm-hmm. get declared we exit investments um, and so you're not locked in for a full 10 years mm-hmm. and only see money yes the model is such that everything comes at the end, at the end yeah. but there is some interim you know i guess liquidity events so it's mm-hmm. an education thing it's an education thing it's a it's a it's a function of also the people who advise the trustees yeah. of the of the pension funds um they, they are in in some spaces asset consultants that get allocated to pension funds um and they need to i guess also see the story mm-hmm. and be incentivized to 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 push um and 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 get their trustees over the line um around you know i guess the benefits of 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 of, of private equity and we're finding i guess that we just need to tell as private equity managers i say we just need to tell the story better Properly. i was going to ask yeah yes. is it the market comes just, out yeah yes. <laughs> No, 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 it's true. I mean, we, we're, we're spending a lot of time on our own strategy around how do we tell the story better. We probably mm-hmm. have a lot of material um, around the impact that we've had, but we've mm-hmm. never really actively monitored and spoken about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think many other people in our space are in the same. And we need to, mm-hmm. as a collective, sit there and tell our story better. Because as I said, we're probably best place to effect the change that everybody wants to see, you know? Mm. I mean, I love the notion of storytelling. I mean, that's my home. I, <laughs> I think there's so much we could get done if we if we provided a narrative that people can access yeah. um, that, that makes sense yeah. and provides an alternative reality. Often we sing off a hymn sheet yeah. that served... Um, an, an historical yeah. context. Once upon a time. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we almost like we've inherited certain yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even economically speaking, in terms of how we do things, we've inherited ways of working, yeah. ways of, mm-hmm. um, you know, which professions you can go in. Yeah. We've inherited that as the model. And I think globally, we're seeing that those models have been disrupted. Yeah. Yeah. But our willingness to adopt new models, I think for me, it's a reflection of the fear of leadership. Yeah. And that fear of leadership is to be bold enough to Ooh. challenge themselves to do things differently. Yeah. And to be accountable for the failures that go with doing things differently. Yeah. Um, we go for safe models and the safeness puts us in a stagnation. Yeah. And we're more comfortable sitting in stagnation and wondering why nothing is shifting, shifting when we're yeah. doing exactly the same yeah. thing every single year. Yeah. So for me, that's my bone of contention that the need for these different narratives to come out is so yeah. significant because until we're able to... 
um, narrate what the opportunity is and I won't call it educate because it's beyond that because Mm -hmm. I think that we do ourselves a disservice as African leadership that when we still talk in 2022 with the need to educate ourselves I think there's a responsibility for us to take action on that which we know because if we sit in this room and it is obvious the writing is on the wall about what is the opportunity Mm -hmm. but we are not using our power and resources to transact on that agency Agency and courage for me that's where the misnomer is that is where for me that's where the road hits the rubber and that's where the accountability comes in as African leadership who sits through crisis and says we should be doing something differently but is not using the agency Mm -hmm. of the positions the titles and the power and the authority that they have have to to do anything differently so when we're sitting on funds and we're talking about the number of different fund managers that we speak to Mm -hmm. That see this new perspective yeah. and nothing is shifting. Yeah. I can't sit back and yeah. say that, you know, it's because, you know, there's an education crisis. Yeah. Because we're doing a disservice to black people who've yeah. gone through education, who are well educated and can see something differently, but are not exercising agency mm-hmm. to do yeah. something about it. Yeah. So Correct. that's my position on that is that we, we, we often, and I always sit back and say, I think, I think we often as black people give ourselves the easy way out. Yeah. We should, we must, we can. Eish, and we don't do. And we don't what do. the we don't hell is wrong? with with doing it. Why are we not seeing it? Why in 2022 can we see the models that are not working for a majority Mm. of the people and have still not with the fancy titles that we have effected those changes in the job titles and the authority that come with them? Come on. Yeah, Yeah. That's why for me, uh, the question was about what what courage is required, right? Because that's it. You have to have the courage to go and go... And, yeah. and have the courage to go against the grain, yeah. against the t- status quo, and know that potentially there'll be personal, there might be personal uh, impact on you mm-hmm. personally, but what it un- unlocks for other people is greater than you and your fancy yeah. title, right? And what and what it is. On this topic of change, um, mm-hmm. what what what? Let's talk about you personally. Yes. <laughs> we've talked about industry change. We've talked about you know uh, your organization, what you're doing, uh, you know. Our, our our series is around talking about mastering change mm. and and what personal change have you had to go through as you are seeing all these changes in the industry I mean you've gone through quite a bit I think you've yeah, told no, us okay. from I've been changing <laughs> Calculated changes. Calculated changes. Yeah. But if you can share, like, as you know, the most significant change for you, and we call it a metamorphosis. Yeah. What's what's the most significant metamorphosis that you've undergone, Uh, whether related or unrelated to your professional life? Because I mean, they it's it's they could or they could not be. What was it? What triggered it? What what happened? And and how did you navigate the change? What did you lean on to do that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think from my perspective, even just looking at my journey, uh, apart from all the calculated risk, <laughs> naturally I've, and not that it doesn't work, I have learned that to get to a place you need to put your head down and work hard um, and you will be recognized. But somewhere it doesn't work. You know, the joke's on you. <laughs> There's a point in your career where you can work as hard as you want and sit in the corner and deliver and look other, make other people look good. 
and it doesn't work for you yeah. from a from a career perspective and an advancement perspective. And I think for me that was a rude awakening because mm-hmm. that has been my modus operandi: just work hard, do it. You know, but we're told that. But we're told yes. that. <laughs> work hard, the money will come. Work, yes. work hard, work hard. Put in the hours. Exactly, yeah. and it and will show for itself. It will show, show for itself. Exactly, but at some point it doesn't. You know, and you sit there wondering why. Mm. You know. And for me, the rude awakening was that actually, and and I think it's 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 a rude awakening because I'm also uh, an introvert. It meant that I needed to do something different that wasn't about putting my head down um, and working hard and then hoping that somebody sees me and 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 gives me, I guess, the the recognition. And it required that I put myself out there mm. and Ouch. actually tell my story. Uh, uh, blow my own horn to a certain extent. Um, you know, look out for people who can talk for me. So the mentors and the sponsors. People Ish. always talk about mentors and, and sponsors. sponsors. Mm. Um, I, I learned that at some point in your career, it's about the relationships and the networks um, that you have, because at, again you're not going to see a job ad in the paper and apply for it. You know, somebody's probably going to, you say, it's too late. on the shoulder. Yes, By the time exactly. you see your right, it's over. It's exactly. Uh-huh. So that for me has been a, a big shift because I've had to actually make, I guess, deliberate moves <laughs> around this, you know, speak out, mm. uh, seek mentorship, uh, speak, seek coaching. I mm. had to. I think coaching for me has been a a, a big uh, driver of some of the change because I needed. To be honest, I it, it was out of my com- comfort zone completely. Mm. So I needed somebody to, you know, mm. thought that push. Uh, push uh, me. I love the way she's, 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 she's making all these movements. <laughs> yes. But I needed a push. I need. I needed somebody to push me out of that comfort zone and 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 help me to push put myself out there, which is not a space that I am comfortable in. Sure. But the reality is that if I did not do that, I probably would not be where mm. I am today. Mm. You know, and 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 that's that's the truth. Um, I would have continued along this path, wondering why this formula is not working for me anymore. This calculated risk. Yes. <laughs> and and the and the push, put your head down yeah. and. Yeah. and and work hard. But yeah. I mean, I, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into that a little bit, right? Because um, uh, raising young girls and, yeah. and, and raising young girls with very loud voices. Yeah. Um, yes. Don't shut down the voices. Because we've taught them. We've taken them to schools. <laughs> yeah. It, it, we've, it's, taught it, we've taught them. We've taught them. We've taught them. Perhaps based on our own experiences, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? Um, and as a coach, one yeah. of the things that one comes across a lot is, is African women... Um, not having a voice in the world of work yeah and it's it's in direct contradiction to the power that yeah. they have the knowledge base that they come from yes and their ability to influence and perhaps not loudly yeah but to influence the networks from a from a relationship perspective yeah. Yeah. from a network mm-hmm. perspective but i think a social culturing a social cultural context of if you speak up a lot about your success, you're boasting. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I think I'm oh, yeah. definitely from you know before the 2000s. There's there's this thing about humility, humility, mm-hmm. right? And humility at our own at our own expense yeah. because speaking about your successes is seen to be boastful. Oh, yeah, coming into a room and being confident. I don't know how many times I would come to Lebu and I'd be upset because I would get feedback that um, I'm too assertive. Assertive. Yes. Intimidating. Yes. Intimidating. Um, 
Mm. Um, I'm too outspoken. Mm, yes. Um, so my daughters, my daughters' <laughs> teachers are having yeah. a run of their lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you navigate that? Because there's a very fine line between I'm still finding. Yeah. Um, at least with the coaching clients that one has, of an African woman who's got her voice. Yeah. Who's confident? Who's articulate? Yeah. Who's assertive? Yeah. And is not angry. Mm. Or arrogant. Or I think arrogant. for me, the, 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 it's, the, you can be assertive, but not mm, arrogant. Right. And you can have a voice. But not arrogant. But not be arrogant. Mm. And, I, I, and I think people expect you to not have a lot to say and almost are surprised when you do. But you are there because you are there to add value, right? Mm. I mean, I think that's my thing, that I'd be doing myself a disservice if... I didn't speak up and mm. and 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 say things that I, I, I or, or didn't disagree, you know. And I think historically, I've probably then beat myself up for not saying it, or mm. did I say it the right way, or did I oh. irritate people, or whatever it is. And now I'm just just, just saying it, just saying it, <laughs> and having the confidence and 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 the comfort of wallowing in that you know mm. i said it mm. <laughs> you know and let's move, and my, mm. and, let's move. Mm. and my voice is out there and my my view is out there because i think not saying something also is you you so do good. you do yourself a disservice so for me i guess also in in spaces that i'm in i've seen the power of being female in a male dominated space mm. and the, and more. the views that i bring to the table um, you know, there's a lot of conscious and unconscious bias mm-hmm. um, in, in, in a lot of our spaces. And, you know, in many places, um, you know, we are not necessarily incorporated into, you know, the, the circles. We're not invited. Mm-hmm. No, we're not invited. No. Yeah. yeah. You know, and right. a lot of, a lot, especially in our space, a lot of business is still controlled by a certain, I guess, demographic, demographic. Yeah. you know. Um, deals are being struck in that way. Even the way that people do deals, you know, it's a it's a fishing trip and a golf trip and whatever things that yeah, as, you're not as, doing you. As you're not. How? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you go fishing? Yeah. <laughs> you know that you will not be yeah. by default invited to, mm. not because you don't want to, but because the space. Doesn't, you know, yeah. you've yeah. talked about the fact that there's a lot more black fund managers. Yes. Where are you guys hanging out mm, with each other? Mm. I mean, I, I think for right. me there's a balance, yeah. right, of this conversation about there where... There is a balance. Um, there, there's the question around the diversity in race and the diversity in gender. So mm-hmm. the black male also behaves in a certain mm-hmm. way. Okay. <laughs> That's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and and then the exactly, exactly. sit... <laughs> Uh, in in their spaces and exclude, yeah. you know, and 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 so for me, you know, maybe it is about us, you know, as women, you know, making sure that us we can do the things, in, in the, yeah, yes. in, in our space. But the reality is that the decisions still lie somewhere else. Yeah. You know, um, the money is still alloc- being allocated by certain people, so it's not easy. But I think we're we're, we're slowly getting there. I do think as 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 professionals in our space, we probably need to see ourselves more as I guess co-investors co-conspirators yeah. than mm, competitors yes yes I think because we we're almost being forced by this scarcity of capital to compete mm. you know and I think we should probably be doing more to turn this industry around and 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 drive the narrative mm. to be honest yeah mm. you know um, how are we and, investing in our own in yeah 
in, in desired narrative, yeah. right? Yeah. I think when Lebo and I started, when we mm. were looking back and we said we registered our company, the first company we registered was in 2012. 2012, like yeah. exactly 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, part of our proposition way back when was to do work with women, but for it to be financially sustainable, yeah, yeah. Yeah. profitable and competitive. It's literally taken us 10 years yeah. to find where to play in that space. Yeah. But that commitment is there, right? Yeah. And and I don't think we found the right models, but I think we need a lot more women talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, I guess my question to you, just my mm-hmm. last question on this, yeah. is, is really about is... Is money, is capital still as exclusive or is there more of inclusion of women? Because we're seeing a different shift for us to mm. some extent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still waiting for that trickle-down mm. effect to come here. Yeah. Um, but is there a shift and change in what money's looking for and how money wants us to behave and to... Yeah. And yeah. is there a shift in terms? Is, is there a shift in terms of how accessible it is? Because we also hear the stories. Mm. This money, yeah. <laughs> but but actually, wait, how do I unlock exactly, it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Listen, it's a mixed bag. Um, I think there are more and more mandates. I guess, it, and and it depends on the type of investor mm. uh, um, that look to actively transform. So I've I have seen mandates that specifically talk about, especially in our space, black women teams or black teams. Uh, investments in largely women-owned businesses. Mm. You know, that there's a whole uh, initiative called 2X that, mm. that looks at some of those things, mm. you know. So there is capital that's going there. I don't know if it's enough. Mm. Um, but traditionally, yeah, it's a difficult one to answer, mm. but I think it, there is a move. Let me yeah. say there is a transition. Yeah. I think we'll get there yeah. because I think there is also a realization that we can't do the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Over and over, over again, and essentially. And exactly. Yeah. And so, again, we must then make sure that the capital talks to it. The reality is that it's still very much a stick approach to a certain mm. extent. Somebody's got the directive from yeah, somewhere yeah. and saying to you, this is what you need to do. Mm. In the absence of that, I don't know if it would happen. Like many you know? things, yeah. right? There's no incentive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no, very, very there's no incentive. Anyway. Mamedubi, <laughs> from your introduction, Mother of Rain. <laughs> we hope there's rain tonight. Yeah. <laughs> It has rained. It has absolutely rained in this session. It's rained nuggets of of wisdom, knowledge, perspective. Your journey that you have walked, and I love thinking about your your, your tale as a journey. You know, it's almost like a hero's tale. Mm. I like putting it into perspective of the archetypes of stories. Almost like a hero's tale where you've gone from one particular space and you've had this focus about where you want to go. And for me, when we talk about mastering change, um, you bring a beautiful reflection on being prepared for change Mm -hmm. and not letting change happen to you. So for Mm -hmm. me, sitting back and saying, but... Change can be, you can have an architecture Mm -hmm. around the change and you must have a framework that allows you to have the kind of safety net in place that allows you to navigate it better. I think the biggest challenge I've personally had with change is about the areas of ambiguity, uncertainty and lack of knowledge because I haven't put the safeguards around it it to to cushion the spaces where it had no need to bleed into. Mm -hmm. Um, So from you and your lesson about mastering change is that that foresight of the change that you wanted to see, Mm -hmm. the change that you wanted to evidence, to relentlessly go for it, to to step out of your comfort zone, I don't know about courage because I think we see courage in in in, in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to be courageous. And I'm going to be, no. In the middle of it, you're just surviving. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, um, yeah. 
that perspective that you've lent us in terms of how you've mastered your change journey is is really about being masterful mm-hmm. around it, being calculated around the spaces that you're occupying, um, being deliberate about how you've equipped yourself with knowledge, um, with with insight, but also with the right kind of path. Yeah. But being able to sit back and say some of the paths that you've you've perhaps chosen to walk we're not perfect yeah, yeah? and i think that that imperfection is part of our journey right yeah. Yeah. that imperfection is a is a reflection of the reality of life that it doesn't work the way we expect it but we've tried yeah so that willingness to try i think perhaps is for me the courage Correct. that not sitting yeah, with yeah. the discomfort and saying i don't like this and doing nothing <laughs> about it right and doing nothing and doing yeah. nothing yeah. about it i yeah. think that um finding the right role players i mean going in mm. from an from a per, uh, the career that is in tech, but remember, tech was is 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 hot, right? Yeah. So it's not that you've moved from something that didn't have prospects. And I love the yeah. fact that you say I will not be employed, right? Yeah. So I guess that if this doesn't work, you can develop yeah. something for us. We still need an app. Yes. Yo, <laughs> we I do. don't know any of them. Funny enough, I've gone full circle on that tech, by the <laughs> way, because again, like me with money, companies uh, are digitizing. Well, you whatever you like, so it or not. Now you sit on the board and they say we want the one with the IT skills, and you look the, at me again. <laughs> That's yeah. the diversity. Diversity, yeah. right? And I think yeah. you're lending into the space um, of, of a career choice that perhaps had been very rigid in mm-hmm. terms of his perspective of who can participate. Mm-hmm. And I think that stimulates a different way of thinking. And that's the entrepreneurial flair that you yeah. brought to the table. So I think for me, listening to your journey and how you've masterfully navigated your own personal journey and you're currently equipping yourself with journey guides mm-hmm. that allow you to see things. And I think it opens up your lens, right? Um, Le would always say that from a coaching perspective she doesn't want to listen to people's problems <laughs> I'm a consultant yeah. so I come up with the solutions to the problems and coaching isn't quite allowed yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, allowing uh, people to get to their yes. solutions I, I don't have yeah. the patience for yeah. it that's a problem yeah. anyway um, and mm. I think that it's these different lenses and to quote Chimamanda Dejengozi on her statement that there's a danger in a single story mm, yeah. I think there's a power in these multitudes of stories that we're able to bring through with Abatutni Yeah. And and for you, the storytellers, to lend us this time um, and this thank vulnerability you. and this openness yeah. is a gift that we absolutely treasure. So thank you so much. Thank, thank, for thank you very me. much for the invite. <laughs> and yeah, thank you. We're looking forward to this. Thank you. <laughs> this was brought to you by Abakoti, the Storytellers, a Womanomics Africa podcast brought to you by Brightrock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Visit www.changeexchange.co.za to learn more about the science of change and how you can navigate change in your life. If you're enjoying these groundbreaking conversations, be sure not to miss any of our upcoming episodes like this one. I learned the importance of using the word see and be seen. Yeah. Talk to the people. The only answer I can get is no. Or... I'll think about it. Or here it is. What's the worst case scenario? Nothing really. There's no worst case scenario. So I always say there's no worst case scenario. Introduce myself, try and find what I can get or offer what I can offer. Mm -hmm.